Over time, words change. Have you noticed that? And they change in two directions at the same time. So on the one hand, new words, new phrases are constantly being added into our vocabulary. In fact, I know the dictionary literally adds like new words every year. I just saw this week that Merriam-Webster added over 700 new words, phrases, and acronyms to dictionary parlance. Uh, I won't say which ones they were, but yeah, new ones that get added. And so for us as a family, it's a fun game uh, for us to sit around the Jones dinner table and to play, mom and dad, do you know what this word means? Because I find myself now, I'm I'm officially old. I'm officially now like, what does that mean? I have no idea. And then it's really hilarious when we guess what we think the words mean, and my kids howl, and they say, Dad, Mom, don't ever say that ever again in public, please. That's not what that word means. So new words come. Social media happens. Slang happens. Words happen. So new words come into our use. At the same time, that old words that have been used for a very long time don't get used anymore. And so what happens is, is just like we have the, what does that word mean? I've never heard that word before. It's new. We have the same phenomenon where we're like, what's that word mean? I've never heard that. It's really old. We stopped using that word. So these word changes happen all the time. Maybe you can tell where this is going as we're in our series, The Lord's prayer, we are now in the second line, which is actually the first petition of the Lord's prayer. And we find a word that we don't use anymore. At least most of us probably don't use it very much in our everyday life. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and we've already sung it, and we've already spoken it this morning, he taught them to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Anybody use the word hallowed this last week? Other than in talking about Halloween coming up. Right? It's one of those words that we just tend not to use anymore. But when you unpack this petition, when you unpack this word, this phrase, this line, not only do you begin to discover its beauty, but you also come to realize, oh yeah, of course the Lord's Prayer would start here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So if you're new with us, welcome. Uh, We've been going a few weeks now, this fall, through the Lord's Prayer. And our our intent is to do this slowly, somewhat methodically, uh, because it's something that we do pray each week. And our desire as a community is to have the Lord's Prayer shape our prayers. And this is the kind of prayer we have chosen as leadership to get this one deep into our bones. And we want Jesus to teach us to pray. And we want Jesus to shape us, to shape our words, to shape our hearts, to shape our imaginations, to shape the way that we approach life in this world. So that as our communication and communion with God continues, our hope is that it would blossom, flourish, develop. So with this text, with this part of the Lord's Prayer, 
I got three questions that I want to ask to guide our time today. Why do we hallow? What do we hallow? And how do we hallow? It's the why, what, and how of hallowing. So we're going to dust off this word and uh, pursue it today. All right, so in its most basic sense, next slide. The word hallow, if you like, what does that word even mean? It means to honor. It means to make it uncommon or to make something special. Theologian J.I. Packer adds that to be hallowed is to be known, acknowledged, and honored as holy. It's for something to be known, acknowledged, and honored as holy. Which, if you think, may sound like an odd thing to pray. In fact, Martin Luther, who wrote a, a, a great, beautiful little treatise on the Lord's Prayer, he, he asked the question himself. Very bluntly, he writes, But what is it to pray that his name may be holy? Is it not holy already? Like why, why do we need to pray, hallowed be your name? Like His name's already holy, isn't it? And he says, answer, yes. It is always holy in its nature, but in our use, it is not holy. So to pray, hallowed be your name, is not to somehow that we would make his name more than it is, because it is holy. There's nothing we can do to change that. He is God. He is holy. His name is holy. And yet, there is this growing gap and disconnect between our knowing, honoring, acknowledging of that holiness. Does that make sense? If you read the Bible from cover to cover, one truth will very quickly emerge, and that is this, that God is holy. God is holy. He is other. He is different. He is set apart. Like I think of Isaiah chapter 6, if you've ever read, it's when Isaiah the prophet has this vision of the heavenly throne room and he sees the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe fills the temple and then he sees the seraphim with their six wings covering different parts of themselves and Isaiah 6.3, this is what the seraphim say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's in Isaiah. And then you go toward the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 4, and guess what? John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, he too gets to see the heavenly throne room. And he gives us some of the colors and the beauty and the majesty and the splendor. And John also talks about these creatures with six wings, just like Isaiah did. And here's what John says. This is Revelation 4.8. The seraphim, day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come can you imagine that scene? They never grow tired. They never grow weary and day and night. They are just in awe and they're catching different glimpses of the glory of God, his holiness, and they just keep saying, holy, holy, holy. God is holy. The angels have it on their lips. 
1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah, when she prays and rejoices that her barrenness is over and she has a son, she declares in 1 Samuel 2 that there is none holy like the Lord. Here's what happens when you read through the scriptures. As people encounter God's presence, something happens to them and they have a response. Here's their response. People fall down. People fall on their face. People bow down. People take off their sandals because they realize they are in the presence of someone greater than they are. Holy, holy, holy is God. And again, I could go on and share verse and story throughout the scriptures where people come to experience God and they have a similar response and the word on their lips is holy. God is holy. God is distinct. God is other. God is separate. God is perfect in character, perfect in word, perfect in deed. Make no mistake about it, the scriptures reveal a God who is holy. God is holy. His glory fills the earth. Again, Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. So again, the Lord's Prayer, we'll get into this as weeks come. We'll get into requests, petitions, intercession, and all that's really good. But when Jesus says, pray then like this, this is where he begins. The first petition, first things first. God at the center of our lives. God at the center of our attention. God at the center of our prayers. First petition, first things first. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. May your holy name be known, acknowledged, and experienced. Martin Lloyd-Jones He says, before we begin to think of ourselves and our own needs, even before our concern for others, we must start with this great concern about God and his honor and his glory. Which brings us then to the second question. Not just why do we hallow, but what do we hallow? And it comes back to this name. The name, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. What's the big deal about a name? Though I still think it holds true somewhat today, but especially in the ancient world, especially in Middle Eastern culture, your name meant something. Your name was synonymous with your character. Your name represented you. Your name is who you are. And we still carry some of that today. I don't know if you've heard the phrase, put some respect on that name. Put some respect on that name. It's a modern vernacular way of saying, hallowed be your name. Put some respect on the name. And early on in the biblical story, God reveals his name. Again, this is Exodus Chapter 3, this is when God encounters Moses at the burning bush. This is right before God sends Moses back to Egypt that he may deliver a message of deliverance to set the people of Israel free. And in the midst of the back and forth with Moses and God before he goes, Moses cries out, and he's like, well, what if I go to them and I tell them that the God of their fathers has sent me, and what if they say, well, what's his name? What do I tell them? 
And this is God's reply. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. What's your name? What do I tell them? Who sent me? I am did. I am who I am. It's the covenant name of God. The holy name of God. This name by the, uh, the Jewish community, the Jewish people, has been deemed holy. In fact, their desire is to reverence the name so much they won't even speak the name. The scribes, when they would write the scriptures, would change pens as they would write it. They didn't want to dishonor the name, so they, they, they changed the, the consonants and pronounced it differently to not take his name in vain. There's a reverencing and an awe and a respect and an honor to the name of God. What's his name? His name is Yahweh. I am. I am who I am. As theologian Wesley Hill mentions, he says, God's name, in other words, signifies his sheer transcendence. He's not like other gods, much less a mortal creature. God is God, with or without us. God is God, with or without us. So when you marry these ideas of hallowing, making holy, honoring, acknowledging this name of God, the character of God, the person of God, this picture emerges. In this prayer, we're praying that the name of God, that the character of God, that the supreme transcendence of God would be highest and greatest overall. This is so anti-American. This is so anti-Western culture. This is an anti-Babel prayer. Anyone remember the Tower of Babel? Genesis chapter 11. The sin and rebellion of humanity keeps growing and spreading so much so that they desire to build a tower to the heavens. And here's the conversation that happens in Genesis 11:4. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And here it is. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And there's this inclination within humanity to make our name great, to exalt ourselves, to do significant things to the heavens that we would have a great name on our terms. And Jesus says, when you pray, we don't pray babble prayers. Not babbling prayers or babble prayers. It's not about the exaltation of our name and our self and our culture and our church and our tribe, but the exaltation of, of God. 
In a sense, you could tell the story of human history in terms of a battle for a name, name supremacy, whose name is greater, whose name is higher, who has the name above names, and we keep trying to say, us, over God. Humanity has said over and again, I know I have said over and again, I want my name over God's name, our name over God's name. And Jesus flips that through this prayer. Hallowed be your name. Psalmist put it this way, Psalm 115.1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. Do you see how this fits together? Hallowing his name. So last question. How do we hollow? And here's where I get a chance to be as blunt and as bold as I can. Because I believe the more I've been reading and studying and praying for this week, I believe that this prayer, to pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is a revolutionary prayer. It's actually a protest prayer. Uh, We have an expression in our American English, I'm fed up with this. What does that mean? When we say we're fed up with something, what does that mean? That's a real question. Anyone? I've had enough. I'm done. I am disgusted. Yeah, exactly. Just to explain that for those that are still learning English among us, who say I'm fed up with. I'm done. I'm disgusted. I've had enough. Especially with something that has gone on for a long time. So let me, I just want to tease this out as we end today. To pray, hallowed be your name, is to pray, I'm fed up with a number of things, and I'm ready to see something change. I've had enough. I'm disgusted with, and let me name a few things. To pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, is to pray, we are fed up with glory stealing. We are fed up with God's character and action not being acknowledged as it should. My friends, we live in a secular age. We live in a culture and a time where following Jesus is on the radical decline. It's not popular nor cool to believe this, to live this, to follow him. I was listening to a podcast this week. One pastor described it this way. He says that our culture is doing a reverse exorcism. It's a pretty graphic picture. But but an exorcism is casting out an evil spirit. And this culture is doing a reverse exorcism in which it is looking for God in all of the places, in all of the world, and casting him out to say, God, you don't belong here. God, you have no place here. And that is the the season of life that we live in. And though God's name hasn't changed and his character hasn't changed, his person hasn't changed, he is holy. And an outward manifestation of his holiness is his glory. Though the earth is filled with the glory of God, 
We have a, a culture that is eager to toss God out of our lives. To make our name great. To take credit for anything and everything. But as a remnant of Jesus' followers praying this prayer, as a community of Jesus' followers who are committed to having him form us and shape us for the sake of the world, we are praying this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name. We're protesting. No more glory stealing. We're fed up with your name and your character not being acknowledged. Not just in culture, but also in me. Your name be hallowed. I don't want to steal your glory. We don't want to steal your glory. We want your name and your fame to be known, experienced, and revealed. Not credit given just to humanity, but God. Not just credit given to Mother Earth, but to the Creator. Not just credit given to science. I'm not anti-science. Or medicine. I'm not anti-medicine. AI. Not just credit given to these things, but credit given to God. Romans 16, 27, to the only wise God. So he made all things. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He is the source of all wisdom. He is the source of all healing. He's the source of all innovation and invention. He is supreme, he is ultimate, and he is the one who breathes meaning and purpose into our lives and our stories, not we ourselves. So to, to pray, hallowed be your name, is to, is to pray for God to close the gap on where we ignore him and also where we glory steal from him. This protest prayer is to pray that we're fed up with selfish ingratitude. John Calvin, as he wrote about the Lord's Prayer, he says, speaking about hallowing his name. Next slide. Oh, I don't have it down. I'll just say it then. He said, what is more unworthy than for God's glory to be obscured partly by our ungratefulness? That's one of the ways in which we unhallow his name is by being not grateful. Because there's all these ways that God has been good and that God has given grace and that God has given gifts and that God has provided for us. And we're like, eh. And I know in my life, my tendency is to see the things that are wrong before I see the things that are good. I'm more apt to complain about the things that I don't have than to name the things that I do have. And so to say, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, is I'm fed up with selfish ingratitude. And I want to be grateful, and I want to be thankful, and I want to have eyes that see and name and point out, God, thank you for him, thank you for her, thank you for that, thank you for this. May I see God's grace all over this world. And in that, I can say, Lord, you are the source of all of these good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. God's name is hallowed in gratitude. Another part of this 
Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to protest and say we're fed up with hypocrisy on a personal level and a corporate level. We're fed up with hypocrisy among God's people. Oh, no. Did I pray that? I'm going to start with the church. Okay, has anyone ever heard of the Great Commission before? It's Matthew chapter 28. Right before Jesus ascends to heaven, he gives the Great Commission, he gathers his disciples, he commands them, he calls them, he commissions them, hence the name the Great Commission. He commissions them to go and make disciples of all the nations. And here's the next part, baptizing them in what? In the name. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, maybe this is old hat to you. It struck me afresh this week. The disciples who choose to follow Jesus are baptized in water. Yes, we did that a few, maybe a couple months ago now. We baptize in water but also when you are baptized, you are baptized into the name, into the holy name. The holy name of the holy three, Father, Son, and Spirit, the same name that has had reverence and honor from eternity past to eternity future. The name We've been baptized into that name. The name that is to be hallowed is the name that we're baptized into. So therefore, in Jesus, we are not just image bearers, but we are name bearers. We have been, God has chosen to share his name with us. We are called to be holy as he is holy, different as he is different, marked by his grace and his power and his character and his love. Do you see where I'm going with this? This is the holy risk of God to give us his name, to share his name with us, to baptize us in his name to share his name with his church, his bride, and we take his name and now we live out as his body here on earth and represent the holy God to the world. But here's the crazy, sad, heartbreaking reality of the American church in 2023. We have actually done damage to the name of the Holy One. In the pursuit of political power, we have unhallowed his name. In the pursuit of our own kingdoms, our own towers to the heavens, we have unhallowed his name. In our pursuit of racial sin and supremacy, we have unhallowed his name. In our pursuit of wealth and status and comfort, we have unhallowed his name. Like this should strike at the heart of God's people to humble us before the Holy One who has said, you've been baptized into my name that you may be my representatives here on earth. And there's people who say, again, maybe you've heard the famous Gandhi quote, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And people could read the scriptures and then look at our lives and they're like, one of these things is not like the other. Mm -hmm. 
And is there a time and a place for the people of God pray a protest prayer, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, hallowed be your name, and we're fed up with hypocrisy in me, and we're fed up with hypocrisy among your people and in your church who bear your name. And for many, Christianity has been reduced to what happens when you're born in the South, or when you vote a certain way, or if you go to a building on a Sunday, or if you read some verses, memorize some facts, or attend a service, therefore I am a Christian, and therefore live a different way then. Or it's not therefore, but you do that, and then you therefore go and live a different way. As though you say, God, I want to give you my Sunday mornings, but you can't have the rest of my life or I want to go to a certain class and learn some facts, but I don't want you to actually change me from the inside out. That's not hollowing God's name. So we pray. It's to pray, God, I'm fed up with the hypocrisy in me. I've taken the name of the Holy One on my lips. I've taken the name of the Holy One upon my life. I've taken the name of the Holy One upon my character, and I'm asking you, God, to make me more like you to be holy as he is holy. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Close the gap of hypocrisy among your people. Close the gap of hypocrisy in the church. God, close the gap of hypocrisy among us. To pray, hallowed be your name, is to say I'm not just gonna show up on a Sunday and live contrary to the values of Jesus on a Monday. I'm not going to take his name on Sunday and binge porn on Tuesday. I'm not going to show up in church on a Sunday and claim his name and then treat my wife with disrespect on a Thursday or be proud and self-righteous on a Monday or crack racial jokes on a Wednesday or trash people online or on a Saturday. And T. Wright said, our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. That is, may you be worshiped by the whole creation. May the whole cosmos resound with your praise. May the whole world be freed from injustice and disfigurement, sin and death. And may your name be hollows. Lastly, we pray we're fed up with the status quo. Because right now, it is really easy to live life as a functional atheist even as a Christian in name. It's easy to be bored. It's easy to have absolutely zero imagination. It's easy to have absolutely zero expectation. For instance, what did you expect as you came today? Why did you come to church? To sing some songs, drink some coffee, meet some friends, hear a nice sermon, ho-hum. Go home and watch some football and take a nap. But if we believe in the name of God, the God who is the name, the scriptures say that this God is actually active in the world still today. He is the God who was and who is and who is to come. To pray, hallowed be your name, is to pray as a church, God, we, we want you here. God, you are welcomed here. God, you are here. Open our eyes to you. We don't want to live bored lives. We don't want to live lives where the highlight of our day is this. We don't want to go through the motions. 
We believe that you have something more, something greater, something deeper, that you're speaking to the human hearts, that you want to call out of us and wake us up to something more. The scriptural story is that God comes where he's wanted. Do we say, God, we want you. God, we need you. That's what it is to pray, hallowed be your name. The status quo is meant to be shattered with the living, active, powerful presence of God. Our good news as a church is not our coffee. Our good news as a church is not our music or our building. Our good news as a church is not even our welcoming posture toward immigrants and refugees. Our good news is not our community or our hospitality. Our good news is that there is a God who is alive and active, who has come in the person of Jesus to rescue and save the lost. He's still redeeming here and now today, and that's what we have to offer others. So to pray about his name being hallowed is to threaten the status quo, because guess what? He is here. And he may actually just answer that prayer. And we're punching holes in the narrative that God is dead and gone, but that he is here and now through his spirit doing a work of redeeming and restoring that which has been lost in sin. What if the Holy One has made this a holy place? Do we have that kind of imagination and faith? <laughs> the one before whom the angels can't stop saying, holy, 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 the one before whom people fall on their faces as though they were dead. When his name is hollowed, stuff happens. I'll end with this. Last week, the elders in the C team, we have been praying through Joshua 4 through 6. And we've been asking what he's saying to our church that we may learn from the Israelites as they entered the promised land. And during that conversation in time, Carla Shaw highlighted Joshua 4.24. Again, I'm going to give just the context of this before I read the verse. This is Joshua 4:24. Israel is coming into the promised land after years of Egyptian slavery, after wandering in the wilderness, and they're beginning to enter the promised land, and God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stack up 12 stones as a memorial. Like, that's odd. Why would God say stack a big pile of stones? And here's why. God says, because I want your children to see the stones and ask you, hey, what are the stones about? I'm going to drop the stones right there so your kids are like, mom, why are there stones here? And in that conversation prompt, they're to make this memorial. And this is what God says, so that when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You can actually tell them. And you can tell them, this is where we passed over on dry land. And this is where God led us out of slavery into the promised land. And here's the ultimate why behind the stone pile and the question asking. Behind it all, he says, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. 
It's like, I want you to drop in the midst of your lives a constant reminder that makes people ask, and you're like, what are the stones for? Let me tell you the story. I'm going to tell you the story about God's deliverance, and the reason why I want to tell the story of God's deliverance is because we want all the peoples of the earth to actually know and experience for themselves that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Do you believe the hand of the Lord is mighty? I want you to know that. Man, I want you to know that as a church. I want reality church. Like We know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you the story. The hand of the Lord is mighty to save and redeem and heal. And no one is too far gone. No sin is too great. No problem is too deep for the hand of the mighty God. And he is still moving and he is still saving and he is still redeeming. He's calling you after himself that you too would know. As Kevin DeYoung said, may all the world and all created things see God for who he is and may his human creatures especially adore and obey him. That's a mouthful. Man, I preached a whole sermon on like five words. An out-of-date word, hallowed out-of-use word. Reality Church, may our protest prayer lead to action and repentance and confession and running to Jesus and asking him that his name would be made holy in our church, in our lives, in our homes, in our county, in our city, in our world. That others may know that the hand of the Lord still is mighty to save. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, I don't know how many times we've said those words in the last year as we've prayed this every week and we can run it off. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, may you infuse in those words May you shape our hearts and our minds. May you remind us of who we're speaking to, dealing with, living for. God, may you tear down the towers that we build to ourselves. May you be exalted. God, we're fed up with hypocrisy in us, saying one thing and living another. I we're tired and fed up with the reputation of your people here. God, we're tired and fed up of being whiny, complaining, ungrateful. God, we're tired and fed up of all the ways in which we've stolen glory from you that is rightly yours. Forgive us. Forgive us, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Forgive us again and again and reform us into being a people that live with an acute sense of the mighty hand of God. So I pray, Lord, for everyone in the room today. I'm sure in different places and different seasons on their own spiritual journey, God, may you break in and draw them closer. And Lord, if that requires confession, may it be. Repentance, may it be. Even a cry for help, may it be. 
a humbling may it be. In your name, Lord. On earth as it is in heaven. Bless this time as we respond to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.